Good morning. Isn't God wonderful? Amen. He is, isn't he? He's always good even when we're not aware of it. Even when we don't know it, he's doing good for each one of us. And watching over. His angels are encamped round about us, the Lord said. Well, will you, I don't know if you have thought about it, but when you're in camp, you just don't move. You stay there. You're encamped, you know. And uh, they're around us. Always. God's always watching over us. His ear is always open to our cry. His heart is always open to the thoughts of our heart. And uh, he's just good. I need to present Richard and Linda. I felt to do this. We invite them to come with us. They're, they live in Bowling Green, Kentucky. And uh, we got to be friends. God had Pam and I in Bowling Green for a few years between Mexico and when God took us to Europe. And we became good friends over there and uh, have remained wonderful friends in the Lord. And I just, we asked them to come over with us. And uh, I just want to say whatever they feel like before we do any more. Is that all right? Okay, Richard. I got my phone, but I'm not on Facebook, okay? <laughs> I'm Richard, and this is Linda Finch, and uh, I just want to <laughs> thank the pastor today for his hospitality. Thank you today for the spirit. It's been joy to my soul. We both have been Christians ever since that we were in grade school, and uh, God has been with us and been in church. We were both raised in a sheltered home, and uh, no alcohol, no movies, no card playing, things like that. And uh, but I'm thankful for that for a good parents that raised us that way. I'm thankful today that uh, for Larry and Pam for their life and their inspiration and their counsel that they've shared with us. Ben and I were talking a while ago. When they come in to the states. It just feels like our soul has been renewed. It's a joy to be around them because when we talk about God, it seems like people just don't want to talk about the Lord anymore out in public. But I'm going to go somewhere here. I want to read a passage of scripture. I know you may not be able to go to Spain or to Croatia, but you can pray. Amen. Prayer changes the 
Prayer changes hearts. Prayer changes lives. And it keeps us going day to day. And God leads us in a direction that he wants us to go. Therefore, I tell you, whatsoever you ask for in prayer, believe that you have and receive it, and it will be yours. That's our promise. God's given us that promise. I'm going somewhere here for the man. God led me in this direction after Larry asked me if I would say something. We both, we ride motorcycles. And we're with a group of Harley riders. You see them out with their leather vests and their long hair and their beard and rough looking. God placed us in the chapter in Bone Green that we could be the more or less the chaplain there to pray with people. So many of them don't hear God's word. They don't hear people pray. And God led us there, just like he's led Pam and Larry. There are times that people would say, uh, remember me in prayer. In the dealership, in the grocery store, I just felt like praying. In the public, it didn't matter. We'd be praying in the middle of the aisle, and people would have to walk around us. But God spoke to me one day. He said, what about your wife? What about her? She's hurting. Are you Are you praying for her? <laughs> it opened my eyes. God speaks to us. And I want to challenge the man that's here today. When your wife is hurting, go and pray with them because it'll be a blessing to you. It'll be an encouragement to the wife. Yeah. And young people, when it comes time for you to get married, remember, take your wife and hold her in your arms and pray for whatever her needs are. I just want to thank you again for being here today. It's been food to my soul, and I thank Jesus for it. Thank you.
Lord uh, tells us in his word that he set each one of us in his body as it pleased him. We all have a part, don't we? We can all... He told us we are the light of the world. Jesus said, you're the light of the world. He didn't say try to be the light of the world. He said, you are the light of the world. We are light in the world. He told us so that more people could see that light, that we would do good works that they could see. Uh, and that was a way of lifting the light up, he said. He said, so that men might see your good works and glorify your Father, which is in heaven. That's what brings glory to the Lord when they're truly good things we do for folks. But we are the light of the world. And your, your life and your heart and your love to folks around you, you will be light where I will never be. And uh, we're all here to serve the Lord. That's why we're not home yet. Uh, Jesus said this gospel shall be preached in all the world for a witness, and then shall the end come. The end is coming, but while we're here, we are here for the world. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. I've probably said this here before some, at some point, but God still loves the world. And he didn't stop at giving his only begotten son at giving Jesus. He keeps giving his sons and daughters for the world. That's why we're here. That's why we feel the urge to try to share the love of God or talk about God or Jesus with our neighbor or with someone we become acquainted with uh, in our work or, or in the marketplace. We feel that. We, we're not at peace if we know God and we're not trying to help someone else open their heart to him. We are all missionaries. We are all missionaries. The, fi the field is the world. The Lord Jesus said that. He said the field is the world when he was teaching us with the example of the sower. And the disciples came to him later and said, explain this to us. You know, this sower sowing seed and all these examples Jesus gave there. And when he talked about the field, he said the field is the world. And... Uh, when the tares and the wheat, it is the world. We are the wheat. Among us, there are tares. Always have been, always will be. Uh, false Christians. Uh, but the Lord said, let them be. And we just keep serving. And we keep loving them. We keep hoping that that person that hasn't opened their heart to the Lord yet, but kind of move among us as though they were one of us. We keep hoping that at some time they will understand open their heart to the Lord. Love hopes all things. Love never stops hoping. Never stop hoping for your children or your grandchildren or people you work with, people you know. Never stop hoping for them. Uh, when God said his spirit, he said, my spirit will not always deal with man. 
he, if you look in the context, that's where he said he would shorten man's lifespan, that we wouldn't no longer live 800, 900, 700 years. But if you think about that, he was also saying, as long as people are alive, my spirit will deal with them. Now, there are exceptions. There are always exceptions. But in almost all cases, chances are you will never know the person that God's Spirit has stopped dealing with. You will not, never meet a person like that in your life. Everyone we know, everyone we're in contact with, God is trying to bring them to Himself. It's not His will that any should perish. And so He's about that. Jesus said, I will build my church... His church, not mine. He said, I will build my church and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. He is building his church. We are members, part of his church. But he is building it. It is growing. I'm, I'm almost sure I've said this here probably some years ago, but uh, there are more people accepting Christ as their Savior and coming into a relationship with God the Father today than at any other day in the history of the world. Amen. Jesus continues to build his church. And we are going to become a number that John said by the Spirit of God, no man can number. There's way more of us than you could imagine. Most of us aren't known about. We're living our lives People close to us know we're of God. Other people don't. But the earth is filling up with people that know God and love Him. And He said we will come together in eternity from every nation, every tongue, every tribe in the world. Every tribe, every nation, every tongue. So I want to encourage you before we open the scripture, I want to encourage you to be faithful in your life for God. And don't lose hope. And don't quit uh, reaching to someone with the love of God. We are His love extended to others. He wins us to Himself through the Spirit, through the Holy Spirit, the love of the Holy Spirit, and through the love that He has in others, that we begin to believe that love is real. And uh, Richard and Linda said they had come to the Lord, they accepted the Lord when they were in grade school. But before they accepted the Lord, they had believed that the people they saw that knew God, that it was real. That the love they had and showed them as young people was real love. And God wins us to himself by his love. I'm feeling good. I didn't know Richard had become such a crier. I've always been a crier since I was young. I kind of thought maybe the Lord, if as I uh, grew and matured and that uh, he would let that stop being part of, of uh, what happens to me when I share his word, but it's never happened. I just decided that's, that's what he wanted to happen to me.
tell you briefly about our lives. Um, you'd have to visit and you'd have to see to maybe believe it's all true. About a little over 30 years ago, a man and his wife and his children that we had worked with in southern Mexico when we used to be there for some years when we were young, the Lord moved them to Spain. And uh, they tried all the ways of winning people to the Lord that we all uh, were able to make use of in Latin America and win people to the Lord and get people to come to meetings. And, and uh, they weren't winning anyone to the Lord. They'd been very successful in Mexico. There are thousands and thousands of Christians there now where there were none. Uh, when we were first there and our friends were first there. And, uh, but they were not winning anyone to the Lord in Spain. And a, a missionary that was already in Spain had been there previous to them, a man we all knew in Mexico. We had all worked in Mexico. He told them, he said, you won't be able to win many to the Lord in Spain unless you work with the drug addicts. He said, they're the only segment of the population that's not totally sure they have all the answers about life. He said, they have need that someone helps them. And he said, if you'll start working with drug addicts, be able to win some folks to the Lord. They took one young man into their home. He lived with the teenage boys and with them and their daughter. They had three boys and a son. And uh, got him through withdrawal and had him living with them and took in one more. And when they had four young men living with them in their home that had come off the streets, the hardened drug addicts, uh, the landlord came and he said, I don't live in this neighborhood anymore, but this house we rent to you is where we used to live. And he said, all the neighbors are friends of ours from years ago. And he said, they're complaining to me that we have rented our home to people that are bringing drug addicts to live in their home, in their neighborhood. And he said, so I have to ask you either to Send the drug addicts away to not live with you. Or if you insist that they need to live with you, you'll need to move and not live in our home anymore. So our friends found a, an abandoned house with no running water and no electricity because by that time there were no funds because they'd used all their funds on, all, on radio and printing gospel literature and every way they could think of try and win people to the Lord in Spain like we did in Mexico. So there were no, really no funds and uh, got this old house and moved those four guys in there and more started coming. And they offered more to come. No one imagined that it would grow and grow and grow and grow. But uh, God decided to put his blessing on it. And uh, we joined them uh, 27 years ago there and it grew and we opened more centers more centers the people that came to us as drug addicts and came to the Lord and many of them said we want to stay with you and help win others we will live with them we will help them through withdrawal and we will win them to Christ if they will open their hearts and we will give our lives to win others they live with them 24 
seven, 365 days a year. No vacation. We will... The, he that is forgiven much loves much. And he said, we want to give all of our lives, every moment, to share God's love with others. And so there was one house, and then there was another one, and then there was another one, community homes. And then a girl's work started, a home for young women. And then for children, we started opening up homes to take care of children and mothers with children. And, and it grew and grew and grew. And uh, these Christian drug rehab centers where we advertise for people to come and we do street campaigns and all manner of ways to reach people. Come and live with us. Don't die in the street. We'll help you free of charge. We'll take care of you. You can live with us just as long as you want till you feel you're ready to live life away from us. And uh, folks come and live six months, a year, two years. Some of them five or six, seven years, and they say, I think I'm ready now. Go back and live for God where I'm from. I feel I'm strong. And uh, others that said we just want to stay and be workers to take care of those that come and try to win them to the Lord. And on a daily, an average day to day, in our centers, I say ours, they're God's, in approximately 40 countries in the world, there are about 11,000 people living with us full time. Uh, if the average person living with us stays a year, you can multiply that by 30 years. And those that stayed six months or three months. And more than 400,000 people have lived with us that we have a file on them. They stayed long enough, we made a file all about them. Uh, it's a lot of people. We're small people. I said that first time I was here, Lynn, I'm sure. Pam and I are small people. We know that. But God's grace has been very great upon our lives. And we were in Spain seven years, and God moved us to go to Croatia and start the work there. It was the second country where we opened centers after Spain. Not a logical choice. You wouldn't go to Eastern Europe to... It was actually in the Bosnian War. They were at war when we went there. And you wouldn't go there. You would go to France or Germany, next door Portugal, next door neighbor to Spain, and where there was relative peace, but God led us to Croatia. We didn't know till after a little while had gone by, a few years maybe, that God knew those Croatian people that came to us and wanted to stay with us could learn languages very, very easily. And so as more countries opened up, it would be a mixture of uh, Italians and Croatians, Russians and Croatians, Spaniards and Croatians, uh, Greeks and Croatians, and uh, some of our spiritual children are missionaries in just a lot of countries. And uh, they call Pam mom. And uh, they came to us as young men and women. And uh, a lot of 
families have formed, and it's, uh, we're busy all the time. The Lord has raised up leaders. We're talking people that are now the first ones are 30-year Christians. They're mature people in God. Some of them are grandparents now. And uh, they're leaders and teachers and pastors and counselors and workers. And so uh, the Lord kind of uh, led us to begin to travel again a lot more in the centers like we did before we moved to Croatia. And uh, we're in Bible conferences most our centers tend to they'll hold a national Bible conference once or twice a year, depending on the country, and we're invited to all of those that we can possibly be at. And I'm not a gifted orator; you'll figure that out right away. But they always want me to come if I can. And uh, I was able to understand the Lord allows me to bring my heart. And. Uh, we share God's love with folks. So we don't just have the people living with us in the centers. Everywhere we are, we evangelize and try to win family members and friends and acquaintances of the folks that come to live with us. And so there's a church or churches, there's Christians. People have become to the Lord that never had a drug problem. But most of the countries we're in is where there's very little gospel. And uh, this is a way to people to start coming to know the Lord. And uh, for example, in Croatia, where we live, that's our, I call it our home base the last 20 years. Um, I don't know a missionary or a pastor that doesn't uh, love us and think highly of us and that we're not supportive of them because almost every work that's got started, they've started it with a a little group of people had come to the Lord while they were with us and now are workers for the Lord. And uh, so they all have our sons and daughters serving with them to, to start a church, to get things going, to win others. And we have wonderful relationships with them. And uh, But I started to say when we moved to Croatia, the, the statisticians that study, I think it's called missiology, the missiologists, where are the mission fields in the world with the greatest need to encourage Christians in the states and other countries to, to go, to help, to give. Um, they could count in all of Croatia 0.3% of the population ever attended a meeting where the gospel was proclaimed. Not that many Christians, but that's how many were in some kind of contact with what churches and meetings had got started. That's three out of a thousand. That's all there was in the country. But where we live, on the Dalmatian coast, Venice to the north, Greece to the south of us, on that coast, east of Italy, the other side of the Adriatic Sea, among a million inhabitants, they were able to find six Christians. That's all they could find, talking to everybody they knew Every Christian they could find in the country, there were six people among a million. So there was no gospel. No gospel. The first trip I made there, I was with uh, 
three Spanish people, a man and his wife, and a young woman who is now married to a fellow, and they are serving God in Norway and in the Scandinavian countries. But uh, our first trip there, to find out what was there, we felt God was leading us. Uh, we, by circumstance, you would say, were invited to stay in the home of a woman there on the Dalmatian coast who is of Serbian origin, but the Bosnian war was going on. She couldn't leave her home. The neighbors hated her. The Serbians were killing the Croatian people. The armies were killing each other, and so she was a Christian. She was one of those six in all of that coast of a million people. And uh, we ended up staying in her home, our little traveling group. Her husband wasn't a Christian, but he treated us like we were their children. Would, he wouldn't allow us to help pay for the groceries. They fed us. He loved his wife so much. She was such a, had such a meek and quiet spirit, such a beautiful woman. Her husband admired her, even though he hadn't opened his own heart to the Lord yet. And when she told him she had met some folks that we were there for a visit and could she invite them to, for us to come and stay with them, he said, yeah. Yeah, she said, I'll cook for them. They'll eat with us at our table. Yeah, he said, that'd be fine. After we were there a few days in their home, this lady, her name is uh, Donna. This was... Uh, Twenty-six years ago when this happened. She said, uh, you are angels that God has brought to my home. She said, I've been fasting for 11 years. Praying that God would bring people here that could talk to others about Christ. She said, I can't. There's bad blood between people I live among and my people. She said, I fasted breakfast. She said, I eat nothing till the noon meal for 11 years. She said, not because breakfast is the easiest meal to fast. She said, because it's my favorite meal of the day. She had a Bible that was falling all to pieces. Marked on every page writings in it, colors uh, marking the text, fallen to pieces. She had wore it out and been praying and fasting for 11 years that God would send someone there to proclaim his gospel. And we ended up in her home. This is uh, in no way honoring us. It's, it's just what God chose to do. We're just trying to walk in his will as he shows it to us. The meeting we have on Sundays as a Christian drug rehab center is the largest gospel meeting still in all of that coast of a million people. There's a lot of people with us. 
But there's hundreds and hundreds that have left us that are serving God where they're from, Bosnians and Serbians and Macedonians and Montenegrinos and Albanians and Bulgarians and Slovenians and Germans and Poles. And when we have Bible conferences, uh, we have a, a group of interpreters, kind of like at the UN, sit over on one side, hear what the person sharing is saying, and they translate it into a language of all the people that are there with us from all the languages they speak. And we give them headphones. And so the Greeks are hearing it in Greek and, and the Russians in Russian and on and on and on and on. The Italians in Italian. And, and uh, that's how we do our Bible conferences after things start growing. And uh, people get saved, filled with the Holy Spirit. We take care of anyone that will come to us and love them with God's love. I want to open the word with you. I didn't ask Lynn what time church breaks up. I probably should have. I never remember that, places I go. But uh, I will be as brief as I can. And let's go to Luke chapter 6, if you want to read with me. I'm reading out of New King James Version. It's kind of like King James Version, but without thee and thou. And... Uh, it's not the best translation, but it's, it's what I choose to use when I'm here in the States. Uh, you know, we work in, in all countries, and so you use the Bible in the language of the country. Uh, for those of you that might not know, King James was the king of England, and he commissioned a group of scholars to translate the original scriptures of the Bible into English, and that's why it's called the King James Version. But he was only king in England, so there's no King James Version in German or Italian or, or Chinese, you know. So it's a good version of the Bible. Almost everything I quote, I learned in the King James Version when I was young, when I, before the Lord took us to Mexico. But I'm reading from New King James. Where did I say? Luke 6, thank you. Luke chapter 6. beginning at verse 27. But before we read 27, I want to read the last verse we're going to read to you. is verse 36. It's Luke 10, 36. This is where Jesus kind of is uh, putting a summation a little bit on what we're going to read, this, this teaching, this, this word he shares with us. And in verse 36, he says, Therefore, that therefore ties this to all that he's been saying, Therefore, be merciful, just as your Father also is merciful. So what we're going to be reading, he's talking about being merciful and how to be merciful. And how to be merciful just as our Father, the way he is merciful. And so when we start reading, we're going to find out he's talking about loving. Uh, you can love in such a way that it's merciful. Uh, you're loving someone doesn't deserve love, doesn't hasn't earned love, hasn't uh, loved you first, or maybe is not even receptive to your love. 
But if you're merciful, as God is merciful, you love them. So that's, that's what I want to read to, with you for a little bit this morning. I don't have... Uh, this is the only scripture I plan to read. And uh, we'll just look at this a little bit. Oh, thank you for helping us. Lynn said, I remember in the old little church building, when we left for Spain, we're going to leave for Spain, the folks asked us to come over, and uh, we were there. And uh, before we left, um, they asked us to come up front, and they gathered around us and prayed for us. And I remember they called us, said, our missionaries, and asked God to bless us where he was taking us to. So the church has invited us. Lynn is the pastor. He's always said, if you come to the States and can come, please do. We haven't made it every time we've come into the States. Sometimes time hasn't allowed. But we love Lynn and Tammy. We have since we've known them. They're chosen servants of God. And Lynn is a man of tremendous integrity. If you get to know him, you'll know that. Tremendous integrity, which is an un uncommon trait, even among Christian leaders. You can depend on what he says. He'll never say anything to you that's not true. And if he says it's so, it's because he knows it's so. And if he commits to helping you, he will help you. If he says you can call on me, he means it. He's a man of great integrity with a heart of love for God and his people. The thread that, before we read, I guess I'm not quite yet ready to read yet, but the thread that runs through everything, Pam and I live for the Lord, and, I, and I'm going to read it. I could quote it to you, but I'm going to read it. This, this thread runs through all we live for God and always have since we were young Christians. And it's in 1 John, and it says, By this we know love, because he laid down his life for us. And we also ought to lay down our lives for the brethren. That's the thread that runs through everything we live. It's about laying down our lives for the people God loves, for the brethren, the brethren of Christ, the firstborn among many sons. We're all brothers with Christ if we're born of God. And he says he's the firstborn among many sons. Now, let's see. Oh, I was with Lynn and Tammy. He never knows what I'm going to say. That would be impossible. Most of the time I don't know what I'm going to say until I'm up here. And uh, he's never, ever said, Larry, would you try to help us? Would you say something good? You know, he's never, ever done that. He has integrity. But uh, they love God. And please, from the heart of God the Father, with the authority in the Lord that I have some of that in my life, please stand with them, stand behind them, encourage them, give them gifts, give them gifts of money, give them gifts of anything that would be good for them in their lives, give them, be generous to them. They're the kind of people that God talks about in his word when he says of whom the world is not worthy. They live by their faith in God. They live for others. 
for God's will. Be generous to them. Encourage them. But most of all, love them. And help them. And you'll see more and more people coming into the kingdom of God. A threefold cord is not easily broken. And Lynn and Tammy together alone are not a threefold cord. Be with them. If God's put you with them, be with them. Really be with them. And see more and more people come into the kingdom of God. Is that okay that I said that? No one's mad at Is anyone mad at me? No one's mad. Okay, you can clap. That's all right. I'll clap with you. <laughs> They're true pastors. They're true pastors. Okay, we're in Luke chapter 6. Jesus is talking. Excuse me. Jesus says in verse 27, But I say to you who hear, love your enemies. So it's about loving. Do good to those who hate you. Bless those who curse you. And pray for those who spitefully use you. To him who strikes you on the one cheek, offer the other also. And from him who takes away your cloak, do not withhold your tunic either. Give to everyone who asks of you. And from him who takes away your goods, do not ask them back. And just as you want men to do to you, you also do to them Likewise, but if you love those who love you, what credit is that to you? For even sinners love those who love them. And if you do good to those who do good to you, what credit is that to you? For even sinners do the same. And if you lend to those from whom you hope to receive back, what credit is that to you? For even sinners lend to sinners to receive as much back. And he's not mentioning interest, just to get back what they loaned. Even sinners lend to sinners if they hope to get it back. And we're in verse 35, but love your enemies, do good, and lend, hoping for nothing in return. And your reward will be great. And you will be sons of the Most High, for he is kind to the unthankful and evil. Therefore, be merciful just as your father also is merciful. You see that in verse 35, he said, and your reward will be great. Don't miss that. This is for our good. This is how to have a great reward in eternity. Love people in this way. Treat people this way. Do this good unto all people, even if they hate us. We're not allowed to hate. We're not allowed to not forgive. We're not allowed to begrudge against others. That's the world. But we are sons and daughters 
of our Father which is in heaven. We are not of the world. We cannot measure ourselves against how people that aren't sons and daughters of God do. We cannot measure ourselves against them. You cannot feel good because you are kinder to your neighbor than the other neighbor that's not a Christian is kind to them. That's not what it is. I would be measuring myself against someone that the Lord Jesus said, well, yeah, they do that. But this is what I'm telling you, how you must live from your heart. And uh, there's a phrase here that captures my heart. And this phrase is also in verse 35. If we live this from our heart, if we love this way, if we're merciful in loving, he said, and you will be sons of the Most High. That captures my heart. What greater thing is there in life than that God the Father would find pleasure in my life? That I would be a Someone he considers his true son. Someone that is a blessing to his heart. That when he looks on my life, instead of being troubled, instead of being sad, Jesus cried over Jerusalem because they wouldn't allow him to help them. He wanted to gather them in, and he said you, they would not. And he cried for them. But instead of feeling sad when he looks at me, when, when, when I'm in the picture, that he could feel good, that he could take pleasure. Like he did with Job when he said to Satan, have you noticed, have you paid attention to my servant Job? Have you noticed him? God was so proud of Job. Now, I have to, for that to stay balanced, I have to tell you, the way I understand it, God provoked Satan to attack Job. Say, where would you get that at? Well, Satan come among the sons of God when they came to present themselves before God. That's how it starts out in the book of Job. And when Satan gets there, Satan didn't open the conversation. God did. God spoke to Satan. and said, have you paid attention to Job? Called his attention to Job. There's no one like him that loves me and honors me. And everything. And Satan reacted. Now, do we think God didn't know ahead of time how Satan would react? He knew how Satan would react, didn't he? he God knows everything. In the future, the past, and eternity. So, he actually provoked Job. Job said, well, yeah, the way you bless him, the way you have a hedge around him, that nothing wrong can happen to him, of course he honors you. Let me start working on him. You'll see. God said, okay. But uh, don't touch him in his body. Place a limit on what you can do to try to hurt him. All the servants were killed. All the possessions were stolen. All the children were killed. Satan left the wife. And she said, why don't you curse God and die? You keep reading in Job, it says there came another day when the sons of God came to present themselves before the Lord. And Satan came among them again this time. 
And God again opens the conversation with Satan. Satan didn't speak first. And he said, you see, he still honors me, still loves me, still worships me. It's because of his heart for me. It's not because of the blessings. And Satan said, yeah, but uh, skin for skin, a man would give everything to save his skin. Let me attack him in his body. Then you'll see. God said, okay, you can attack him in his body, but you can't touch his life. You can't take his life. And that was when Job had all those boils. God, if I could say it this way, I think it's right. God put Job through all that he went through by using Satan to do it. But you know why? If you read later, Job came to know God like he never had before. Like he never had before. He now said he understood. He knew, for, he knew truly who God is. And he loved God. And he had revelation of God. He said after the skin, after the worms devour this flesh, I shall see God with my own eyes and not another. I will be with him after this life. And Job knew God better than ever before. Sometimes the suffering that comes, sometimes the, the problems and the difficulties that come to us, even in our family, even in our children, God is allowing that because if we will come closer to him, we will know him like never before. You say, well, that's, that's a preacher talking. Yeah. Lynn and Tammy know this. A few of you that have been here a long time know this. We buried two of our daughters when they were very little still. We raised, God gave us a son and a daughter that we raised. And our third and fourth children were twin girls that lived, how long, Pam? One lived eight weeks and one lived nine weeks. There with God. The day before our first daughter died of the twins, we were in the little waiting room that they had just for parents of babies in intensive care in a, a really, really good hospital. We were the only parents there at that time in that little room. And God spoke to me. And he said, I want to bring the girls home to be with me. He said, but I can't while you're fighting to hold them there. And I knew how much God honors us. How much he honors his servant. He says he honors his servant who serves him. And uh, that's us. That's not me. That's us. If you serve him from your heart. And uh, because we had everyone we knew praying and we were praying that they would be healed and they would live. And uh, I looked at Pam and I said, Pam, God just spoke to me and this is what he said. I said, what are we going to do? She said, if that's what God wants to do, we need to let go of them. 
let him take them. We held hands and prayed. We prayed, Richard. We held hands and prayed. We said, God, if you want to take our girls, we're not going to fight anymore. Keep them here. We'll quit praying that they live and that they be healed. One of the girls that the nurses had begun to tell us, tell us we have hope for her. She's improving. Uh, the other girl, she's still, it's still really rough. But this one, she's, we're seeing improvement, and we have hope for her. She was the first one to die. She died the next day. We think they didn't both die at the same time because we couldn't have stood it. So one died. We had a funeral. And a week later, our other little girl died. But we already knew she was going to. But it didn't make it any easier. But we've been asked to be with people in the death of their babies and their little children in different countries. And I've been asked to speak at their funerals. And some people have come to the Lord that didn't know the gospel, family members that were at those funerals, because they said, we know you understand what we're going through. Would you be with us and would you speak at the funeral? Okay. We know the Lord better than we did. If those girls hadn't, if we hadn't been living all of that situation that was so hurtful and breaking our hearts, I wouldn't have known that God could actually speak to you and say, I won't fight against you. I won't do, even if it's my will, I won't do it against you praying for me to do something. You can see that reflected when Paul sought the Lord three times, thrice, about his thorn in the flesh. He didn't say, lay me down to sleep prayer. Thank you, Lord, for this food prayer. Paul knew what prayer was, and he sought the Lord three seasons of prayer Lord, that you would take this out of my life. And what did God do? He didn't take it out of his life, but he spoke to Paul and said, this is why I'm going to leave it in your life. And my grace is sufficient. And uh, that's the way he is with us. Okay, I'm going to say a few things about these scriptures, and I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to quit. We're happy to be here with you today. We know we're in God's will. Being with you, we're happy. We had no idea Richard and Linda would be able to come with us. They kind of, at the last minute, there was opportunity. We asked them, could they and would they? And, and there they are. So we've traveled together. And we'll travel together back to Bowling Green today. Okay, I'm going to... I'm going to blow my nose and I'll be right with you.
I wrote this down. In this portion of his teaching, Jesus is applying to us how to be merciful. The way that he is merciful. He is teaching us how to love. Love the way God loves is unconditional. Always. He doesn't love you because you're good. He doesn't love you because you've done things right. He loves you because he loves you. When God wanted to use one word to describe himself to us in, in his holy scripture, he said God is love. He always loves. No matter what. We read here he... Uh, For he is kind to the unthankful and evil. He loves them. He's kind to them. To love as he loves, to be merciful as he is merciful. I put this in my words. I will always love you, no matter what you do. That's unconditional love. I will always love you, no matter what you do. And so all these areas, what people might do against you on purpose, will not stop you from loving them if you love them as God loves them. This is for us. And this is how our reward will be great if we'll love the way he loves. Uh, verse 27. I'm just going to skip through this real fast. About three minutes I should be finished. But I say to you who hear I... Love your enemies. Do good to those who hate you. I wrote this down. I will love you. I will do good to you, even if you hate me. That's what he's saying. I will love you. I will do good to you, even if you hate me. Verse 28. Bless those who curse you and pray for those who spitefully use you. I will bless you. And I will pray for you even if you set yourself against me. I will still bless you, and I will still pray for you, for your good, for your benefit. Verse 29, To him who strikes you on the one cheek, offer the other also, and from him who takes away your cloak, do not withhold your tunic either. This is just a little word of exhortation. The Lord said suffer the word of exhortation because he's written the word with few words sometimes and he allows us preachers and get, inspires us to amplify it a little bit. But if you look at that verse 29, I will allow you to take advantage of me and I will still be open-hearted and generous to you. Do you see that there? Take away what's mine. I still have my hand open to you. I'll give you more than you're taking from me. And he's talking about loving people. This is loving people. I will allow you to take advantage of me. And I will, that's when they hit me on one cheek and I offer the other. I'm allowing them to take advantage of me. And then they even take away what's mine. And I say, well, take this with it. It would be better if you have both. And I'm not doing it because I'm supposed to do it. We're talking about loving. I'm doing it because I still love you. And really, if you have my coat, will you do better off with my, my hat and my gloves? I'll give those to you. 
You took my coat, but I'll give you my hat and my gloves. People say, how in the world? That person's crazy, but never met anyone like them. Weren't even mad at me. Just treated me good, even though I did this wrong to him. You say, well, you don't, do you know what you're talking about? Mm-hmm. I think a little bit. Uh, Pam's brother, who was my best friend growing up, that's how I got to know Pam, uh, he was lazy and took advantage of others quite a bit. And at one point he called me and said, Larry, he said, could I borrow your fishing poles to go fishing with? I had really, really expensive fishing poles. That was my number one thing I liked to do outside of serving God. And I said, yeah, Mike, I, I'll loan you my fishing gear. Time went by and time went by. And uh, One day I said, Mike, I said, I'm going to go fishing. I said, uh, is it okay if I come by and get my fishing stuff from you to go fishing? He said, I don't have it. I said, oh, you don't? He said, no, Larry. He said, I have to tell you the truth. I sold it. Yeah. It was, you know, after that, I still loved him and treated him good. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Verse 30, this is it. This is the end. Give to everyone who asks of you, and from him who takes away your goods, do not ask them back. Oh, I must have skipped down to that. I will listen to you. You know, he says, give to everyone that asks of you. Okay. I'm putting this in our language right here, right now. Someone asks you for something. I'm saying with all my heart, I will listen to you. And I will meet your need. And I will never begrudge you what I've given to you. I love you. I'll be merciful. My life will be God's love extended to you. I am his. I will not love you the way men love you. I will never stop loving you. No matter what you do, I will be merciful. A great reward in heaven. And a wonderful life here. The Lord bless you. Thank you very much for your patience. Thank you very much.